It's one of the first things you notice whilst traveling. And sometimes it creates the biggest shock. It's an important and inescapable aspect of being human. Culture. How similar are you to the person down the street? How about someone the next town over? How about someone halfway across the world? There are equally countless ways that your lives are both separate and comparable alike. How much of yourself, your views, the way you derive meaning from situations are defined by and learned from your culture? When we step outside our culture and dive into another, what can we learn about ourselves and life itself? With music from Cody Crabb, writing by Nicole Mallow, I'm Hayden Lee. This is Travel Stories Podcast. Our guest today is Ladan Yiracek. Ladan has been to over 90 countries. He is the host of the Travel Wisdom Podcast and loves to think about how travel can be a chance to learn. Ladan, how's it going, man? I'm doing great. I'm really enjoying my time right now. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome, awesome. First thing I've got to ask, where is your surname from, man? Um, It's uh, Czech, Czech Republic, uh, and my parents are from Czech Republic and Slovakia. Nice. Interesting. So here's a little story to kick us off, right? So (laughs) I was in Indonesia, right? And, you know, you know, you have kind of island romances and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. when I was in Indonesia, I had an island romance with this girl who I later found out was the 1997 women's wrestling champion of the Czech Republic. Wow, that's really cool. It's just the most random piece of information. I love it. Okay, man, you got to you got to divulge some more secrets into this. Like, like what was the what was the romance like? Was there some like arm locks involved, or you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, getting into a triangle got me in an arm bar. It was terrible. Did you man. tap out? <laughs> so, man, you're uh, you're in the UK right now, eh? Yeah, yeah, it's a series of unfortunate events, but really have a silver lining that, that I've ended up here. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And so here's some uh, some transparency for the listeners. So me and Ladan have just been talking for a while because I've just actually been on his podcast, the Travel Wisdom Podcast. And man, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Likewise, likewise. I really, really enjoyed it. It was great. It's all the things I love about about talking, you know, deep diving into things and getting kind of philosophical about things. You know, I love that stuff, man. Yeah. And that, that's what the show is all about. It's just like, oh, okay, well, you know, that, that, the trip was good and, and the beach was good, but like, what was the essence behind it? What was, what was the purpose? What was the meaning? And, and what did, what are you going to take away from it? Oh, that's exactly it, man. It's all about, like you say, the wisdom of it. I mean, so like, what would you say is the best way to kind of facilitate this learning of wisdom? You know, say you're out there and you really want to gather up that, you know, you want to open yourself up to learning all this new stuff about yourself and the culture. How, how would you kind of prepare for that? How would you kind of make yourself be when you're out there? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. Um, I think the best way is, and I mean, this is, this, uh, is applicable if you are traveling or not is talk to people you wouldn't normally talk to. And I mean, that, that's the beauty of travel is like, you're not going to be able to talk to a, a Vietnamese rice farmer really often in your life, but this is your chance to do this. And if you if you go out and actually find these conversations, find these people, then it can really change your life and perspective. And so a really good way to do that, I would recommend is to get out of the hostels and get into people's homes. So do something like couch surfing or Airbnb. And in this way, you can meet real people and have real conversations that, that are really going to change your life and 
and you're you're gonna really come back with some good stories as well. <laughs> I love that, man. I love the idea of there's these certain levels of kind of openness and and seeing people in the culture. There's the first level is like going there and going to a hotel, right? Which is kind mm-hmm. of you don't really meet a lot of people in that culture. The second would probably be hostels, right? So you do meet, you, well, maybe you'd meet some locals, but it's more travelers, and which is also great because you know hanging out and talking to other travelers is fantastic. And then I guess the next level will be couch surfing, you know, getting there into into people in the culture's homes and getting into society. What's the next level? <laughs> you know, I guess I it's... Think- yeah, I, I think it would be like living there and, and I mean, it really absorbing, like learning the language and not just like, oh, hola, como, como estas, but like really get to like a fluent level where you can sit down with somebody over a beer in their language and uh, really discuss some things. I mean, I think Nelson Mandela said this, you speak to somebody in their second language, you speak to their mind, but if you speak to them in their first language, you speak to their heart. And this is something that I've, I've really, um, and have grown to realize over the last few years as as I've been living in Germany as well and in India it's it's just kind of you, you get much deeper into this I there could be a net, another level there could be an additional level I haven't discovered it yet I'll let you know as soon as I find out <laughs> <laughs> nice nice so you lived in India and you lived in Germany right so I would imagine that India being kind of I mean you grew up where in the states right yeah, exactly. So I'd imagine India is further away from your culture and society, right? So I'd imagine that that is the place where you learn more about yourself, being more outside of your society. Would you would you say that's true? Yeah, I mean the in in the way I would uh, I would look at it too. The really the the striking thing that that comes to mind right now is is the relationships over there and and the work culture and all this kind of stuff. And and it really made me realize like, oh wow, the the way I think my my work culture, my marriage culture, I guess is is actually kind of unique. It's kind of special and it shouldn't be taken for granted. So as you know, um, over there is arranged marriages and kind of arranged jobs. I mean, people are just really happy to get whatever whatever is given to them. And uh, to me, this was completely like, I, I couldn't understand it, but I, I started to understand it. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, think I've, I think I've accepted this a little bit more too. So yeah, that, that, was, that was probably the most, most striking thing for me. Yeah, man, it's an interesting thing about how different societies do things obviously differently. And I mean, they say that arranged marriages actually have more of a success rate than, uh, than I guess, Western marriages, you know, and because that's born out of like, these people are more right for each other, therefore they should be together rather than the, <laughs> the human brain thinking, hey, I want this girl, you know, and the human brain mm-hmm. rarely does it make <laughs> wise decisions, especially when it comes to things like love and marriage, you know, <laughs> so it's things like like these where you you look at that thing in that culture and you go man this is very different to my culture but is it better i mean there's i can think of loads of times where i've been in other in other cultures and other societies and thought man this is the way to do it i'm never going back <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> can you think of any times like when you're i mean in india for example where you think man they've got this right we're doing this wrong in the states they have got this stuff right you know can you think of any times like that or in germany or, or wherever actually yeah, so I mean, the, the you're absolutely right with the marriage thing. I mean, if you think about it, like who who would you rather have make a big important decision? Is is a 15 year old with full of hormones and all these things, or or like a wiser, you know, 30, 40 year old? Maybe the grandma's involved, so like a 60 year old who's who's seen some stuff and and really knows how the world world works a little bit more than you know a 14 year old, a 17 year old, or whatever. And uh, so in this way, that that I was like, I see, I, I kind of see both sides, and I saw successes and failures in both sides of these. Uh, I saw like divorces. In um, in arranged marriages and non-arranged marriages, uh, so so that was that was pretty interesting to me. But honestly, I don't know. I just 
I like the chaos. Like, <laughs> I don't know how we could bring that over over to the Western world. Um, maybe like food stands or something like this. Cows in the streets. I, I really that's really appealing to me. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you've got to love a cow do... in the street. You've got to love yeah. a cow in the street. <laughs> exactly. My my girlfriend at the time always laughed at me. She always took a picture whenever I was with a cow. And and my friends, you know, back at home, they're like, "What's what's with Latin and cows?" <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you're obsessed somehow. I'm just like, it's, it's so cool. Like you don't see this anywhere else. <laughs> Yeah, I know what you mean, man. It's these weird things that that they seem weird when you're there because obviously they're not from your society, they're not from your culture. But there, it's like, mm -hmm. well, dude, it's just a cow. Like, come on. <laughs> you know I mean? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, even like even in Western places, you know, from even from the UK to the US, you know, or I, I grew up partially in Wales as well, and it's like, you know, there's sheep outside and stuff like that. But then if you talk to someone in New York City, they're like, wow, no way, a sheep, you know? And it's it's like these things even exist in countries that are very similar so there can be these mini societies in a way you know where they have they, where they do things completely differently you know and it's exactly like, I, I don't know it's hard to say if any of them are correct or not correct you know it's it's easy for the uninformed person or the ignorant person to say this is the way to do it because you know coincidentally this is the way that i was brought up to do it therefore it must be the correct way right but with all these different ways of doing things there can't be a correct way surely can there yeah, no, I, I don't. I don't really think so. But um, I, I've I've been reading some books recently, and and it's basically talking about like different cultures have different advantages, and in different situations they could be good. So um, some examples of this would be I don't know Scottish uh, herdsmen, you know, and and uh, Arabic Arabic herdsmen, and and these are kind of like honor cultures where really there's no property laws, and if somebody steals your sheep or steals your cows or whatever, then then you have no repercussion. You have like really no way to prove it and all this kind of stuff. So so the way the way to prevent this is to show that you're somebody you don't mess with and you get this honor culture. And in many more agrarian cultures, you get uh, very much uh, according to rule of law and, and I don't know, it's just kind of more of a community kind of thing. So I, I think, I think uh, both of those are right. And for their situations, they are correct. And um, so I, I, I kind of see it as everything, every culture, every, I don't know, society, every mentality has a has an advantage and a disadvantage and you just got to find out which one it is and and uh and and, and see it see it for what it is uh, in this in this case as well yeah that's right and there's so many more factors to bring into it like where you are in your stage of life and all of these different things it's it's one of those things where there's so many different variables that it's that, i mean there's no conclusive answer to anything when you talk about stuff like that you know it's a really exactly really difficult subject so i mean with regards to travel like, what do you think it is that holds people back from travel? I think it's I think it's just kind of a, a fear of of not knowing. I mean, even even me, like after I don't know, like 30, 40 countries, and I was gonna go to like Costa Rica. And you know, Costa Rica is actually pretty tame. And I'm just like, but the jungle, the jungle, there's like, you know, things that are gonna kill me and the rainforest and and my friends were were laughing because they're just like, that's not like that's not an issue at all. And sure enough, when I got there, it's just like, oh, this is exactly like a forest, but like a little bit greener, but but there was nothing to be afraid of. And I can imagine if you're if you're completely going from from zero and you have nothing to to work off of like I did then then it could be 
way more scary and way more jumping into the unknown. But really, in the end, I mean, once you're already there and, and once you've seen it, you're just like, oh, this is just like everywhere else. I mean, there's there's differences, but but there's more similarities than differences. Yeah, once you've been there, it's it's uh, it's not a question. I mean, you're like, oh yeah, of course I'll go there again. It's like my second home, or it's uh, a familiar place. And and uh, I think I think that's just that's what we're really afraid of is is unfamiliar places, and 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 it makes sense. Yeah, it's, I totally understand what you're saying. I mean, I remember I was somewhere down in Southeast Asia and I said, oh, I was, call, I was talking to my mom and I said, I'm going to be in Bangkok tomorrow, you know? And she goes, oh no, Bangkok, don't go there. I said, well, why not? She goes, well, it's it's like the worst place in the world. It's so dangerous. I'm like, Have, when did you go to Bangkok? Why didn't you tell me you were going? You know, <laughs> it's like, you know, it's the news and everything like that, you know? And uh, obviously it, it didn't affect me because what I think we have nowadays is when you've got things like podcasts, you've got everyone talking about travel. I mean, you know, on on my show, on your show, everyone's talking about all these different places. You know, I had a, a guy that came and talked about Afghanistan and there's people talking about Iran and all the things in the media are telling us these places are bad and dangerous. But then when you hear a multitude of people talking about these places, you, you kind of think hmm, who should I listen to here, you know? And I think this influx of podcasts, this influ influx of travel bloggers, I think it's really helping to break those barriers. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think this dissemination of information is is really really helping things out. So you don't only get like a one sided view from I don't know whatever the government wants you to know on on the on the news. You can actually get you know local or direct direct uh, storytelling or direct stories from from people. And and this is what I do. I, I don't I I really just go to my most traveled friends or um, if I'm like uh, oh I want to go here, then I talk to the people who have already been there and be like hey what do you think about this? What do you recommend? What don't you recommend? And and uh, that to me is is probably one of the most useful um, things that I do, or like that's the best way to learn objectively uh, how how the place is. Absolutely, man. And speaking of other people's recounting of places, do you have a story for us today? Yeah. So when people ask me about a, a travel story, this is this is the one I talk about. Is uh, is my experience my overnight uh, desert safari or desert caravan through the Somali desert. And if you could give this story a name, what would you call it? I think I would call it Cheating Death and Hitchhiking Africa. I'm so intrigued. I'm so intrigued. <laughs> awesome. Radio, you're listening to the Travel Stories podcast, and this is Ladan Yirecek with Cheating Death and Hitchhiking Africa. So me and my buddy, um, this was our third year, third summer traveling. Um, we always went between between uh, during the summer semester uh, on a trip. So first year was Russia and Greece and Western Europe, and second year was Middle East. And third year, we're like, we got to ratchet things up. We're going to go to Africa. And not only are we going to do Africa, we're going to hitchhike from Cairo to Johannesburg. So we're going to go all the way the length of Africa. I don't know, like things have worked out before, but this is completely new. This is, man, we're going through like Sudan and Somalia and hitchhiking on nonetheless. Like that's, this sounds crazy. But my friend, he was already in Africa. He had already been to Tanzania and Kenya. So he's like, dude, don't worry about it. It's, it's cool. So anyways, the, the most crazy part of this trip was uh, we finished up uh, like a month in Ethiopia and then went down, went over to Somalia. 
which as you know, uh, or maybe know if you've been watching any of the news, and it's uh, <laughs> it's full of pirates and crazy like RPGs and like people, machine guns and... <laughs> On shore, African Union soldiers fire practice rounds. Trained by a private consultant, So yeah, we're going from Djibouti, which is uh, another country. It's it's actually very peaceful, very very well developed, and uh, we're like, okay, well, we got to get to Somalia, and things are a little bit rough. And so we're going to take this caravan. So we ask the people oh, where where to go on this caravan. So we find it. We go behind these buildings, and like, okay, the caravan leaves at ten. And we got the worst seats, which in a Land Rover is in the back. Not like the back bench seats, but like in the back, like in the trunk. And uh, me and my buddy, we're tall guys. We're, you know, six foot three, 193 centimeters. So we're bent over quite a lot. We're like huddled down and we, we literally have our heads between our legs. And they're like, okay, well, this is going to be like eight hours like this. We're like, yep, got it. No problem. So yeah, we got going in the caravan. Bumpy as hell. We're just boom, 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 going around, and we get through. We get through the border, and then we we finally get to this desert, and it's it's full of sand, and we're just kind of getting stuck all the time. And we're in a caravan of like 30, 40 cars, and it's getting really hot. I mean, it, it, it's it's close to the ocean. We could see the ocean. We could see the the sea, and but it's so hot. It's nighttime. It's pitch black, but it's so hot that if you're you're just sweating like all the time, and we get stuck in the sand and I'm just like, Oh no. And so this is about the time I find out that uh, nobody brought water for this 12 hour ride. And uh, so we're in the middle of a desert, like literally think like Sahara desert and we don't have, nobody has any water. They, they've filled up the, the Land Rover to its capacity, which means like 15 people <laughs> and people on the roof and hanging off everywhere. And it's, it's just unbelievable. And, and then we get stuck and we're like digging out the wheels and we're trying to push it and it's not going. And meanwhile, all the rest of the caravan is bypassing us. And they're not, they're not even looking like they're thinking about stopping because they just, they can't, because if they stop, they get stuck as well. They don't want to get stuck. So I'm just like, oh my God, we're going to die here. <laughs> this is, I really, I really thought like we, we, we're going to, we're stuck here and nobody's going to come till tomorrow. And I, I had no idea how we were going to get out of there. So I really, I literally thought we were going to die. Meanwhile, this beautiful Somali girl's flirting with me. And I'm like, whoa, you don't, you don't understand. We're, we're about to die. So I, I don't, I don't want to be thinking about this right now. Yeah, so I, I kind of have like one urge, like the urge to live, and then the other urge, the urge, you know, for cute Somali girls and <laughs> to pick them up. But I also didn't know the rules for this. I'm like, if I like touch her, if I like kiss her or something like this, does that mean we're married? I'm not exactly sure. And uh, so yeah, I was I was a little bit freaked out. And I think eventually we, we got out of there and uh, I don't know how, I, I think we just kind of rocked the, the car back in, uh, to and fro uh, for a few minutes and finally we got out. And I think this happened a few more times and I'm just like, why didn't we bring any water? Why didn't any anybody, like you guys didn't, have you literally never done this before that you don't have extra fuel, extra water for these exact kind of situations? Like I, I feel more experienced than you at this point. What the heck? And then somewhere in the in, during the night uh, on this on this twelve hour caravan ride over over to Somalia, the back door broke, 
And now, now this back door was the thing that was kind of protecting us against death. You know, so if if it opens up and we we somehow get rolled out, uh, yeah, that's the end of us. Like we just kind of I don't know roll along in the road and hopefully hopefully they realize that somebody fell out. So yeah, they, they tied up like a rope and, and we have to hold this <laughs> and, and there's no latch or anything on the door. So we're literally like holding this thing closed so the door doesn't open so we don't fall out. And meanwhile, we have like sleep deprivation and half asleep, half holding this thing closed. And then somewhere in the middle of the night as well, I some, some guy climbed down from the roof and I was like half asleep, but he started like rubbing my toe and I'm just like kicking him. I'm like, no, I don't want you to rub my toe. And I, I, I really don't know what, what he was doing, but really, really weird situation. And uh, so, yeah, it's in the morning and it's like 10 in the morning. I'm just like, when is this going to end? This is just hell and just keeps going and going and this bouncing and like you can't sleep and you get stuck and you think you're going to die and you're in Somalia. What the hell are we doing here? And so, yeah, eventually we're, we're bouncing around like this and uh, our driver must have been a rally car driver or something. I don't know because he, he was literally going off of jumps on some of these. And uh, on, one of these, on one of these jumps, he gets on two wheels. So as he's turning, he gets on two wheels. And uh, yeah, then the car stops. We had broken an axle. We'd broken the wheels and we couldn't go any further. Again, the Somali girl is flirting really hard. I'm just like, oh man, so beautiful. What do I do? But they said they're going to send a car. And uh, yeah, they, they sent like a SUV over later. I think it ended up being like 18 hours. And then with our luck, we get there on the day of the elections, the day of, you know, African elections, which uh, they're, they're announcing uh, who won who won the elections. And we are in the city where the party lost like this. The, the, the person they like that they like in the city, this guy lost. And so I'm just like, oh, man, this never ends. And, and so I really thought there was going to be some huge political upheaval and guns and everything like this. Uh, but luckily there wasn't. And actually, turns out Somalia was pretty cool and and i felt i felt pretty comfortable there uh i mean true there's people walking around with like ak-47s on their gun uh, on their backs and uh you know just walking around with guns but but uh i felt really comfortable there and and you can t- kind of tell from a climate or like a like an environment if if uh, people are looking at you strange or if people are like somehow tense but no people were really relaxed over there it was really it was really quite amazing That was Ladin Yerecek with Cheating Death and Hitchhiking Africa. Man, I really, really enjoyed that story. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, I, I like to think of it as my best story. So I'm, I'm glad that you, I'm glad that you enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that was a lot of fun. I mean, even just at the start when you said, yeah, me and my friends, we do these things. So we thought, you know, we'll hitchhike the whole length of Africa. It's like, hold on. <laughs> hold on. That's kind of insane. I love it. <laughs> so do you, you and your friends used to do, used to do different things like this together, right? Um, no, this, I mean, he was, he was really just like a travel friend. So, so we would, we would travel like this, uh, together. Um, and this was, this was our third year and we were both kind of like, we, we didn't, we didn't want to say no. And we're just like, yeah, I have a crazier idea. Let's do this. And, and, uh, yeah, this is probably one of our more crazy ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You just kind of, you know, have to beat the other guy's idea. Oh, let's exactly. Let's do this. We're only using one leg, you know, let's do <laughs> It's like it. a game of chicken, but with travel. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Man, that is such a good way to do it. That's 
that's amazing. It can, <laughs> that could probably end up in terrible, terrible situations. But what's life without <laughs> terrible situations, you know? Exactly. And <laughs> I think it's ended up pretty well for him. Right now, he's working in Antarctica. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. Someone must have said to him, hey, let's, let's work in Canada. He's like, no, 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 no. I got one better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. Well, man, what I really want to talk about is the Travel Wisdom Podcast. I'm, I'm a fan of it now, and I'm especially a fan of it now that I've been on it. How cool is that? <laughs> no, I love it, man. I love the, the idea behind it, the fact that you can generate and gather all this wisdom from travel. I love that you deep dive into these topics. Like, how would you, how would you describe the show to someone that's never heard it before? Yeah, so I kind of believe that uh, travel is more than a vacation. It can be a learning experience that actually by traveling, that, that backpackers um, can have more successful interactions in business and in life because they know themselves more. They know more, I don't know, cultural uh, differences and, and they just know more about the earth or the world and uh, that this can relate actually to financial to financial gains as well. Um, so, so yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Absolutely. Like if you're, if you're talking to someone from a different culture, a different society, and you haven't, maybe you haven't talked to a lot of people from a different cultural society before, then it's going to be quite difficult because you're only yourself in your kind of societal being in a way, you know, you are yourself having grown up in that place and not really left it, you know, but if you've been like, like you, if you've been to 90 countries, then you're not going to be very surprised when you start talking to someone and they've got different experiences to you and you can probably relate to them better. And I think as well as that, you know yourself better because you know who you are regardless of where you are in a way. Does that make sense? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You you find out the, the constants, you find out the variables in life. And um, from this, you can you can really find out like, who am I? Who, who like, what's the thing in me that doesn't change, regardless of who I'm with, where I am, what I'm doing. And uh, then in this way, you know yourself more. And I, I really, it's, I mean, I think, I think that's what wisdom is. It's, it's just a, an accumulation of experiences. And really, the experiences come much easier when you're traveling. Because I don't know if you've had this uh, experience, but one day can feel like a week and you're like, what? That was this morning. That feels like forever ago. But, uh, on the flip side, many times at home, you're like, what? That was last week. That feels like this morning. And yeah, I think, I think that's, that, I think that's the key actually. Absolutely. It's kind of like you, you live kind of more time in the same amount of time because you're doing so much stuff. You're seeing so much different stuff and everything's so drastically sometimes different to, to what you're used to. Whereas, like you say, if you're in the same place for a year, then I don't know how many memorable things can happen in one place in a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's a tough thing. So 90 countries that you've been to, man, that's, or over 90 rather, that's a lot of countries, man. And I don't want to ask the standard question of which was your favorite, <laughs> but like, out of that many countries, I'm kind of intrigued as to which one you, you kind of feel more drawn to, more connected to now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's different countries for different purposes. So I really see myself living in Germany. Um, I really see myself doing a lot of business in India, and I really I really enjoyed it there. But the country I like the most, when people ask me my favorite country, I say Georgia. Former Soviet Georgia, in between Armenia, Russia, and Turkey, is an absolute gem. It's it's absolutely beautiful. You have great people, great. Uh, culture and really crazy language that's not related to any other language at all. Crazy alphabet, its own um, its own religion, and uh, 
you can go from skiing to, to, to the beach on the sea in like five hours. And uh, also the drinking culture is quite amazing. Wine and grappa flows like water. And when I was there in 2009, even the taxi drivers were drunk. That's how that's how drunk everybody was. But now I, I actually, I went there like a, a month ago or six weeks ago. I found a really nice, I found a really, really cheap flight. I think I went there and back for like, 60 euros or something like this. I'm just like, whoa, this is crazy. And uh, and it, it calmed down a little bit, but I would still consider it my favorite place because uh, just the people are so, they're so hospitable. They're so warm, almost to a fault. I, I highly, highly recommend it. Not a lot of people have heard it. Even my cousins in Europe, like who are close to it, they're like, "Where is it?" We pulled out the globe. <laughs> show me where. Show me where you're going. <laughs> man, how have I not been to this weird drunken paradise, man? This sounds amazing. <laughs> it is. It's pretty cool. <laughs> That's great. So you were saying about languages as well. They have their own language. You are a language man. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, I'm. I'm really. I'm. I'm quite obsessed with languages. Actually, after this uh, trip to Georgia, I went to Greece for uh, the Polyglot Conference nice. uh, for people who speak many languages. And I'm. I. I feel like I've finally gotten into this. I mean, I. I, I can count five languages to my. Um, I don't know to my name. And and uh, right now, I'm. I'm strengthening my fifth one. But uh, my my goal is uh, 100 countries and 10 languages by age 30, which I have two and a half years for this. And so the easy part will be, you know, five or 10 more countries. But the hard part will be <laughs> five languages, I think. But I'm really I'm putting a lot of hours per week into this. So I'm really I'm really dedicated to this. I really love languages. And like I said, uh, it's it's a great way to know the people and not just superficially, but really talk to their hearts. Man, that is a great goal to have. That's a super good goal to have. I really love that. I got to ask, which languages do you speak now? So um, I, I'm bilingual uh, in English and Slovak, which is also very similar to Czech. So I count Czech and Slovak as one language. Uh, then I was studying in Germany for three years. So I picked up a really good amount of German and uh, I can write business emails in German. Might be a little bit funny, but you know, it, it definitely gets the job done and definitely can talk in a bar. Uh, I traveled in Russia this summer. Uh, and since Russian is so similar to Slovak, I, I could pick it up really quickly. It's maybe like, I don't know, Italian and Spanish. And uh, now, now I'm learning Spanish. Actually, um, there's this uh, lady friend uh, I'm, I'm interested in, and uh, she's she's Spanish. So we're really we're really practicing a lot. And uh, and in the near future, I might be I might be uh, you know going to Africa to get my French up to up to snuff. And I really want a French or I really want an African accent for French. <laughs> I think that'd be really funny. <laughs> and be cool. uh, yeah, <laughs> and then doing a little bit of Turkish and yeah. Nice, nice. Well, man, if you, after you've learned Spanish, if you want a little bit of help with Portuguese, you know my number, man. You know where I am. We can cool. get that sorted. And I also love how a lot of the occurrences and all the stories in your life revolve around ladies. <laughs> Notice this is a, quite a constant that's happening here. Yeah, it makes life sweeter, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've, I've been talking to you for a few hours now. I think I've heard about three so far. <laughs> I mean, that's like one per 20 minutes, you know? <laughs> Man, if I could get that same rate in real life. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's crazy, man. What are, your, uh, what are your thoughts on like on marriage and stuff? I mean, with travelers, there's a lot of different views on it, you know, especially, I mean, we're, like we were talking about before with cultures, there's a lot of different views on marriage. But with travelers, some people are nomads, some people are complete hippie nomads that are kind of out in the woods for the rest of their lives. And some people just do it as a vacation, like you say. So what's your thoughts on on marriage so the way i'm imagining it is um 
my, my mom was always saying like, oh, wait until 30 to, to get married. And uh, so I, I think I'm going to follow this. And so maybe in like two years or more years or whatever, I'm going to, I'm going to get married. And the way I'm imagining it too is, is working somewhere, uh, preferably in Germany, and then maybe like two, three months per year, go on a project somewhere, be it in South America, Asia, Africa, wherever, and go there on the ground or do some like Intel or knowledge exchange or I don't know, help on the project or they help, I don't know, whatever. And just kind of keep doing this and have, I don't know, quadrilingual kids, multilingual kids, <laughs> you know, uh, from from my English, the Slovak, and then let's say German, and then whatever whatever language the, the wife speaks. Um, and you could have four languages, like really, really solid. And yeah, they're barely five years old. <laughs> I think I, this, this is the way I see it. And I'm just like, I'm, I really... I I've, I feel like I've learned so much and I, I really I want to pass this on to the next generation. I'm like, my kids are going to be the coolest kids ever. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, man. Yeah, it's something I always think about with kids as well. Like when you bring them up with with travel and with this, with this, I mean, how old were you when you when you first kind of went on your first big trip and you first found out who you were and gathered all this wisdom? What what do you reckon that age was? Um, yeah, I think I was 18 when I went on my first like solo trip. Um, th this was the one to Russia and, uh, yeah, it was the first solo trip with my buddy and that's, that's the thing that started it all. Yeah, man. So imagine if, you know, all that wisdom and everything that you gathered when you were 18, imagine if that was happening when you were five years old or three years old and you started off life with this big, giant, open mind of all these things that are in this world and you're not shrunken down to whatever society that you grow up in. Imagine how much of a cool kid you'd be. <laughs> Well, actually, I, I am a cool kid. Uh, this is how I was how I was raised. Um, my my dad was a, a fisherman in Alaska, so he'd work like you know two three months out of the year, and then have enough money to you know get by for the rest. And so um, we did a few trips like this. We we had like a pickup with the camper, uh, and we went all the way down to like Guatemala in one case from from Seattle from like Canada, kind of the Canada area, all the way down through Mexico and Belize, Guatemala, I think Nicaragua and everything like this. And uh, yeah, I think I was I think I was like two three years old. And then we did another one to Mexico when I was like five, six, and yeah, I mean, so so I I was kind of uh, I was kind of raised with this as well. And then we did lots of trips to Slovakia, and so you know, when Europe is small, so once you're once you're there, you're like, oh, let's go to Italy or let's go to France. It's just you know, twelve hours away, which in the U.S. is is like, oh, that's you know, the next city. Um, but so so we we saw all these places and it was, uh, so in this way, it was, it was a much easier for me. It was much easier for me to go to these, like to Russia and, and Greece and because it's like, oh, it's, it's actually, it's very similar to what I already know. Um, and then the Middle East too, it was like, uh, it was just kind of, it was, it was just ratcheting it up a little bit. It wasn't, it was it wasn't jumping into like the deep end of the pool. I was kind of, I, I was already in the pool and then just kind of walking a little bit further deeper and Man, nice. Well, that explains why you're such a cool, open-minded, handsome chap. <laughs> I must explain. I must explain. We realized, myself and Lennon, we realized that we're the same person. So, yeah. <laughs> so we Quite are, literally. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we're both 27, we're both 28 in May, and we look very similar as well. So. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And have a travel podcast as well. Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, man. Before I forget, where can people find you? Yeah, so uh, I have a podcast, Travel Wisdom Podcast. You know, just subscribe, subscribe to me there, um, and on iTunes or whatever, whatever things you use, uh, or email me, travelwisdompodcast at gmail .com as well. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on, dude. It's been absolutely great, man. Great. Likewise. Thank you so much. No worries. Thank you for listening to this episode of Travel Stories Podcast. 
Let us know if you enjoyed it on travelstoriespodcast.com or on iTunes with a review. We'd love to have you over at the Facebook Live session discussing this week's topic on Tuesday at 7pm GMT, 2pm Eastern and 11am Pacific. Just search Travel Stories Podcast on Facebook. Check out Nicole's weekly travel picks in our mailing list at travelstoriespodcast.com slash list and drop us a line. We do answer everything. On behalf of myself and the team, thanks again for listening to the show. We truly appreciate it and would love for you to join us next week for another episode of Travel Stories Podcast.